he's a cat dad. He isn't a real dad yet, but he's got the swag of a of a really cool dad that would let you uh, watch basketball till eleven o'clock on a school night. You'll lose that shit once oh, he has to change his diaper. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. All right, everybody, welcome to the 20th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, and I got my man... Sage, chilling here in Southern Oregon, just had a fantastic trip in Rip City, and it was just so much fun to hang out with Dustin. We had a great weekend, and we are super excited to have a special guest, whether you know him as HCP or Big John, NEP. We have John LaCrofka from Blazers Broadcasting joining us. John, how's it going? Very good, man. Very good. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For the listeners out there who might not know who you are, I don't know who that would be because MB name drops you on the regular. But tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure there's one or two out there that don't know me, right? (laughs) They've been living under a rock. (laughs) Listen to me. Uh, No, man, my name is John LaCrofka. Raised here in Portland, Northeast Portland, Oregon, my whole life. Uh, grew up an absolute basketball junkie. Um, so couldn't help but be a Blazer fan. My parents were huge Blazer fans. Uh, used to take me to the games at the Coliseum. Uh, for you young chumps out there, that's the black box next door to the Moda Center. Uh, where the Winterhawks play, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, in fact, I'm so old, man. They used to... Um, Way back in the day, they used to broadcast the games to a theater downtown, but they would shoot a signal over to the theater. I think it was the old Paramount Theater, and uh, that place would fill up, and people would go over there and watch the games. They'd closed-circuit TV them over there, and uh, I remember being a kid and going to those with them, so Blazer Mania has been, been in my blood my whole life, man. I completely you know, understand that. I was fortunate enough to have Blazer Broadcasting as a kid. And it was difficult because it seemed like the channel changed every single season. So between me, my parents, and my grandparents, one of us would find 79, 99, whatever random channel it was on. And we would call everybody up and say, okay, Blazer Broadcasting is this channel this year. You know, just remember it. The games are going to be on there. But to think that even playoff games back during the Drexler era were difficult to come by is kind of... uh, Pretty fascinating and mind-blowing, especially now when you can get all of them on KGW or TNT or, or ESPN. So, you know, we're very fortunate to have games just at our, our fingertips. Uh, hey, man, let our listeners you, know. Oh, I'm what, sorry. What, Blazer, Blazer Cable. They used to have yes. Blazer Cable, and it was like a pay-per-view. And uh, I remember my parents were one of the few that got it, so the whole neighborhood would come over and watch games. And, you know, it would be like a neighborhood thing. It was pretty cool. You know, let our listeners know, what do you do for the Blazers broadcast? Um, I work on a machine called an EVS. Uh, It's basically a uh, a nonlinear hard drive system, and it's it's almost like a glorified DVR, like what you guys have at home. Um, We're in a studio, a mobile studio, where in the show that we have, there's four of them going at all times, or sometimes three, and there's three of us doing my job. And basically, we take in every camera angle that there is, and 
I'm in charge of uh, all the instant replays, slow motion, um, music videos you see coming back into the fourth quarter. We call that a retease, just to kind of give you a flavor of what you know what's happened during the game. Uh, right when we come on the air on the top of the show, we do a tease, which gets everybody ready for the game, uh, music and highlights and stuff like that. Uh, and then just anytime you see a highlight package, if Dan goes off and has you know 15 points in the quarter, we come back and you see his name. And then it's just three quick plays. We're slamming that stuff together during the game. Um, and that happens all live as we're trying to give you guys replays. We're building all that stuff as we go along. Uh, so, and, then just, and then just up until recently, uh, we were able to help the referees get looks, uh, make sure, you know, if it's a three-pointer or not, or if the ball goes off, whose ball, you know, the ball goes off the finger and whose ball it should be. Uh, the NBA took that over because around the NBA, uh, around the league, they were having problems getting it done fast. It was taking too long. Uh, ironically, not in Portland. My guy Tony that sits next to me. By the time the guys, the uh, referees, would turn the monitor over to look and see what the play was, we were already showing it to them. They didn't even have to put the headsets on and walked off. But they kind of had to make it a league-wide, uh, a league-wide uh, way of doing things, just so uh, it was regulated and restricted. So they go back to Secaucus, New Jersey, and uh, get all the looks that way. But we're showing people at home. We're showing people at home, you know, the play pretty much before they see it. So basically, so you guys don't make the rest of the other teams look bad. <laughs> right, right. It's tough, man. It's a it, big playoff game. That Houston series, man, I had, you know, unfortunately you see a look and the ball went off, you know, be um, LaMarcus's fingertips and the ball went back to Houston. But, you know, that's your job. You got to show it, you know. So when you're focused on replays and watching the game, is it harder or is it easier to get a grasp of the team and how they're playing? Do you rewatch games or – You've been in the game so long, you kind of already know what's going on. Uh, the interesting thing is, during the game, I can't tell you what the damn score is. I'm so busy. I know you follow me on Instagram and stuff. I put a, a video up on there a couple days ago, and it was like a time lapse I did of me and my boy. And it was just 15 minutes you know, in, on my GoPro. But it's just nonstop, man. We're working, we're editing. We save every single highlight. So when we're doing all that, I can't tell you the score. I can tell you the trends. I know who's doing good by uh, by the clips and the highlights I'm saving and archiving to hard drive so I can use them for the next city. But I know for a fact, you know, that there's been a bunch of Dame to Plumley plays. I know there's been a lot of Plumley to Dame backdoor cuts because it's the way I label things. And you start seeing a trend. You start seeing, you know, oh yeah, I've got a lot of Ed Davis putbacks. You know, so you know the way I label stuff and, the, and Tony next to me label stuff. Uh, I can tell you trends. I can tell you who did what, who did good. I never can really tell you the score, man. Uh, Damian Lillard's big .9 shot against Houston. I didn't even see it go in. I mean, I had, I know, tell me about it. I had 15 cameras shooting it, and I didn't even know it went in, except everybody in the truck was screaming and yelling. <laughs> so, when you saw, so when you watched and you saw the 12 different angles, you know, that I was showing you real quick, man, I was just flying and working. I mean, I kind of understood, but... It usually takes a sec for, for things like that to settle in. Um, it's hard to explain, man. You're just kind of in a zone and you're knocking stuff out. Uh, at the end of the night, I'm an I'm a NBA junkie, so I'll come home and I, my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I record like six games a night. So once her and the kids go to sleep, man, I'm watching games left and right. Uh, I don't have Comcast, though, so I can't watch our games, unfortunately. <laughs> so the, you kind spoke of, kind of, of ironic, kind of ironic that I've done like over 1,000 games and I can't watch them. 
So you spoke of the Lillard shot. Was that the most hectic and chaotic moment you've experienced in that truck? For one moment, I'd say yes. Like for one defining moment. Um, we've had plenty of games where uh, stuff's come down the stretch, you know, and, 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 and you know, Kobe will score down here and then B.D. Roy scored here and Pau Gasol here. And then, I mean, stuff like that where it was, you know, a bananas game. Uh, so you're just nonstop flying. You think, oh, that's the end. Uh, the Brandon Roy half-court heave uh, against Houston, you know, whatever years ago. People forget that, you know, I forgot who now, of course, it's been so long, but we scored, and then Yao Ming hit some crazy bucket, and then we scored. So those type of games can be a little bit more nuts because it's you're nonstop chasing. Uh, I also pick, like, the play of the game, the dunk of the game, the drive of the game, the assist of the, you know, things like that. So I'm always looking for stuff like that that people at home will want to see. And, if you know, I know basketball, so I know what they're looking for. Uh, so games where stuff's going back and forth, it does get bananas. But for the most, like, one play defining moment, yeah, man, Dame's shot was ridiculous. Has there been a performance that you put together a reel for for them to, you know, recap? What, what's the performance that stood out to you? Like, this guy was just in a zone, and you were taken aback by it. Uh, to be honest, I'll do stuff for the guys on the side, you know, just for, for, just for fun, you know. They'll say, hey, John, can you throw me, to, you know, give me a Jay-Z song, and I'll throw together highlights. I just did one for uh, CJ, like his first half recap to some song he liked from the future, you know, just hooked it up, threw it together, you know, so it's cool stuff like that. But to actually put something together where it was like a really crazy one moment type thing had to have been B-Roy against Dallas. Uh, I mean, man, and here's the funny thing. I was listening to your guys, one of your guys' podcasts. You do a great job, by the way. And I was listening to you guys talking about uh, you, you guys were throwing stats back and forth. I'm kind of weird. I am a hoop junkie. I don't think I've missed a Blazer game in 16 years. But I can't really bust out numbers like that. I can tell you, you know, so like if I told you that Brandon Roy Dirt game, you probably knew what game it was. Yep. You know, I, I mean, I, it, I remember it being game five, maybe. I think it was game four. Okay, so see you there, go Dustin, making me look bad. So well, I only remember because I was in the stands. That's just one of the most different memories I have. I, can't, I, I will never forget that one. Right. Uh, B-Roy, B, B asked me to throw together something for him, and I did. I just did a real cool recap of that whole fourth quarter. Um, I still have it on my computer somewhere, but it was – he picked a song, and we slam, I slammed the highlights together for him and threw it. It was like a little one-minute video uh, for him to show all his boys in the summer. But so, so if, I don't know if I answered your question, but to recap something that was really cool, that whole fourth quarter, man, was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah, but that has to be up there. Like I said, I was in there with, with my friend Ryan, and, and Paige hits that three. We go down, what, 23, 24 points heading into the fourth. And even re-watching that game after it, it's one of those moments where you're just like, how did we come back and win this game? You know, they hit a three to go up 10 with like three minutes to go. Even Jason Terry had a three, a really good look to win that game at the very end, and it doesn't go in. So a lot of times the basketball gods, they're not in our favor. I think in that night they were smiling down on Portland because it took a lot of things to go right for that, you know, miraculous comeback to happen. I've got the radio call, and you hear wheels. Just You think wheels is going to fall off that 
off that top level. And he's going nuts, man. And uh, I don't think Tone said anything for – Antonio Hardy said anything for 30 minutes. You know, we don't – you can just turn on a game at any point in time. But if the Blazers are doing good, you will hear it in his voice. <laughs> he does that. He does that when we're on the road and you ask him about the weather. <laughs> the weather's scintillating. It's sensational. It's sexy. I mean, the guy's crazy. Just the three alliteration. I mean, off the top of his head, too. I'm sure he's probably got maybe a couple groups combined of the letters that he wants to go with. But to right. still rattle it off like that, so seamless. I mean, the dude is a pro. No, he's great, man. All right. So let's jump into things. The Blazers, 23 and 26. Uh, they're still in the middle of the seven-game homestand. Just finished up a 3-0 week. Kudos to Sage and I. We actually cor- correctly predicted a week right for once. We both said 3-0. But hey, uh, you can't pat your guys on the back. That, come on. on this, hey, we rarely... My daughter could have said we were going to win these three. My daughter said we could have won these three games. We yeah, we should have. But this team is so Jekyll and Hyde to pr- predict. Uh you, I, I think I said 4-0 one week. We came back 1-3. So we'll take the small wins on this one. Oh, for sure. For sure. And we love patting ourselves on the back. It's, <laughs> it, it's it doesn't happen to do. very often. Well, maybe for you. I love bragging about myself. <laughs> so the Trailblazers picked up a, a 96-93 victory over the Wolves, a 109-91 uh, win against the Charlotte Hornets and an impressive victory over the Kings uh, last Tuesday, one twelve to ninety seven. Let's touch on that Timberwolves game. And Sage and I were were in the audience, and it was really to be to be honest a snoozer for the first half. That third quarter is one of the worst third quarters I think I've ever seen this team play in a victory uh, this season. But they found a way to just win even when they weren't at their best. And I think that's a sign of a maturing team. And I think Terry Scotts did a fantastic thing by giving them a maintenance blackout day today. You can tell that they were starting to feel the grind of an NBA season when they let the Wolves kind of push them around on on the boards. Minnesota had 49 rebounds. We had 37. And it really wasn't that close. They just had their way with us on the offensive glass. So I think this break that he gave them, even if it's just a day, is going to do this team a lot of good. Uh, were you surprised that the Wolves were able to keep it this close? You know what, though, man? They, they're one of those teams. I mean, you can say this about any team, but they got better players than you think, or I should say they've got a lot of teams just can't quite put it together. But you know that cheesy old line, you know, on any given night. I mean, when you got a guy like Rubio with his court vision, and he was breaking us down a little bit, but when you got guys, and you were mentioning that they killed us on the boards, you know, Plumlee this season, I mean, we're not, we're not really talking about the season in general, but he's he's played out of his mind, if you ask me, from what I expected. And he's not that prototypical banger down low that's going to box out and get rebounds, give you that post-presence like Rolo did last year. Uh, so if a team's not going to surround down low, I mean, I expected that to happen more than it actually has this season, to be honest. Uh, but you got guys like Jang. Um, Pekovic didn't really do anything last night, did he? Oh, you're cheating, bro. I just saw you looking at you looking at the monitor. Oh, we gotta have our stats up while we do the show. I'm not just gonna remember Nikola Pekovic's stats right off the top of my head. All right, all you fans out there, these guys are cheating, bro. They're coming at you guys like they have all this knowledge. He's got a cheat sheet in front of him. Well, it takes time to prepare. 
<laughs> uh, but no, like Jang and guys, you know, you get a guy like that, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert. I mean, he's not, you know, you're talking about Utah. He's not a, an offensive threat much more than just being his length and being able to get in there. and get. He's had some good games against us, if I'm not mistaken, the first couple of games, first game in Utah. Uh, but when guys like Jang are stepping up, I mean, it does make it tough. Uh, that's why you were saying they played pretty poorly in that third quarter. I think we got out-rebounded, and they actually beat us on a bunch of stats. But they're just so active. You know, they need a young, active team that's out there hustling and grinding. You know, they can hang for a while. They also have, I think, one of the best big men to ever come out of college in his rookie year. I think Carl Anthony Towns could be another Anthony Davis, Tim Duncan type of a player. Uh, you look at him, he's only 19 years old, and he easily went for 21 and 13 on 50% shooting. And there's no shot that he's not uncomfortable taking. Minnesota, for a lot of the bad picks they made over the years, they really hit a home run with, with Towns. Uh, we were talking on the podcast a while ago about the perfect player to, to pair with Dame. I wanted to down low score who could pass Towns with his age and his ability already. He's up at the top of my list. If there's one team I don't want getting Ben Simmons, it's the Wolves because Simmons and Towns and Wiggins, that is just disgusting. Yeah, that would be crazy, man. I, I tell you what, Towns, I didn't think he'd be as good as he is this quickly. I mean, he has ups and up and downs, but that was a good uh, comparison with uh, Anthony Davis. Same thing, man. I didn't think Anthony Davis would do what he's done in the league so far. You know, here I was looking at a skinny kid who didn't have much of a post game. Neither of them still do have much of a post game. But they're just active, man, and you got to get a body in between them and the hoop. Uh, when you don't, you saw what happened. I mean, just their pure length, and they both really surprised me. I didn't see them coming in and doing um, uh, doing what they have as quickly as they have. But, yeah, you're right, man. If Minnesota got Benson, I'll be honest with you, you guys got to know Simmons is going to L.A., right? He's got to be going to the Lakers. That's what uh, we had uh, Larry, who was a uh, TV Pup 22. We had him on the, the podcast as well. He th- he's a full he's a full believer in that Simmons to the Lakers conspiracy. I'm not buying into it just yet. I'm still holding yeah, out hope. I, I did a podcast with him like uh, last year. He does one as well. Oh, I take hey, you guys had him on before me. We well, your schedule will tough tough around. You're you're episode 20. Yo, we had to save you, man. Oh, yeah, right. And we didn't know we could get you, so... Yeah, the, the guest appearance budget, you guys are raising funds to get me on, right? Dustin said I'm getting swag. Well, yeah, you know, you just designed the, the Dane 2s. Uh, I'm certain we got to put a GoFundMe together to get some of those uh, on your doorstep pretty soon, right? Hey, my, and the ones I designed last spring, uh, Soul Collector, they had, like, their best 30 designs for Dane's. And, dude, I got on there. I got, like, number 28 or something like that. I thought it was a big deal. Yeah. They're really ugly, man. They're like uh, PDX carpet. They're really ugly, but they're pretty flat. I mean, I had to cop a pair of PDX carpets just to say. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with that carpet. I'm kind of sad that it's, it's no longer. So it's my last hey, memory. Hey, of the shoe talk. Got to put the shoe talk on pause. That's going to be later, right? Of course. Okay. Don't forget. I want to talk shoes. Oh, we'll always talk kicks. So the Blazers handled business against the Wolves, but I thought the performance against the Hornets really showed what this team could be. Uh, I don't know if you could notice this from the truck, but Sage and I were up in 329. That was probably the best defensive effort I've seen out of this team all year. In particular, I'd like to call out Alan Crabb and Gerald Henderson for their ability to uh, 
fight through screens and go over them with just, you know, a lot of intensity that I really haven't seen under a Blazer team probably since Mike Dunleavy coached them, to be honest. Well, you can't – the defense is – I don't know. I've always been one to think the defense you can't really teach. I mean, that's more like that's in your blood, that's in your genes. Just like athleticism, man, you either have that will to go do it or not. And we've uh, – I'll give O'Shea props, man. He's brought in some players. Here we go with with uh, stereotypical names, but gritty, you know, that <laughs> Nate McMillan, that Nate McMillan kind of player, you know, that he always wanted. <laughs> yep. I mean, there's some guys on here that would play great at Davis. I mean, you said AC. A lot of people didn't think AC was a defensive player. But, man, he gets out in those uh, lanes, you know, and cuts he off those does. passes. Last night, that. last night he had a couple, yeah. And, um, and you mentioned Henderson. His post defense is fantastic. Oh, I mean, that oh, dude is solid. He's strong. Uh, and he had a couple last night. I mean, two in a row in the maybe third quarter, something like that. Early fourth quarter that uh, uh, really shut down Minnesota as they were trying to get that ball down to Wiggins. He was fantastic down there. You know, I really love Alan Crabb's development this season. And, you know, people want to talk about playoffs, wins and losses, but player development's probably got to be up at the main priority. And he had 20 points on 7 to 15 shooting. And like you said, he was in the passing lanes. He had a steal. He seems like he has a steal and a highlight, either layup or dunk every game. His mm-hmm. wingspan is great. He, he's probably with Al Farouk, our, our top two perimeter defenders. And this is his, really his only season as in the rotation. So you really have to be thrilled with his production. I know he's a restricted free agent coming up this year, but all signs point that Portland's got to retain this guy, right? Talk about a guy boosting that paycheck, man. I mean, he is... Guys, put it this way, man, guys always get, not always, but players do get a chance. They just got to be patient and wait for it. CJ seeing that right now, you know, he wasn't going to break that lineup. He is now, and he's taking advantage. I honestly believe, and, you know, we didn't really, we haven't really talked about the whole season and predictions and stuff. These guys are just crushing it, man. They're playing way above what I thought they would. You know, as a Blazer fan, I want them to win every game. But realistically, I just didn't see it happening. They are playing 150 percent compared to what i thought they would mm-hmm. and it's and it's ac it's crab it's it's um it's cj mccullum it's Plumley, it's davis all four of those guys have just far outplayed what i thought they would ac and a lot of people at home don't see this or people that show up at the arena late he and cj both worked their asses off these last three years uh two and a half years uh, at five o'clock at 4 45 at 4 30 um, you know, an hour and a half before people are even in the arena, they're out there running screens nonstop and um, working with the coaches, David Vanterpool um, and guys like that. Just uh, Coach Tibbs, just nonstop running screens, just stuff that they're going to see in game. And they weren't playing. They were sitting in suits. So the fact that they can finally get their shot uh, and capitalize on it. I mean, that's 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 how you either stick in the league or you don't. Everybody's good in college. Um, a lot of people forget, man, AC's the damn crab was the what? Pac ten player, Pac twelve player of the year. He was. Um, lit the ducks up his senior year, lit Arizona up his senior year. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh and as an insider, I'm not supposed to say much, but I'll tell you, it's the hair. That's why. Because <laughs> I thought it was the shoes, because it had to be the shoes, but it's the hair. It's the, it's the hair, man. That crab hawk is on fire, man. Can you please tell somebody in the Blazers organization and you know, it would be nice to get royalties, but I wouldn't expect it. 
they need to start selling some foam crab claws because I would buy the hell of that up. Just pinchers, man. Just pinchers. Exactly. That would be awesome, man. And I'll tell you what, I'm I'm waiting, and I whispered into the mic's ear the other night, I'm waiting for uh, uh, Alan Crab to get a steal and throw a dime to Luis Montero. And we got that Crab Louie fast break going on. I mean, it would just it would crush, right? That's that's all right, right? That oh, of course, plus of one, course, plus one. Good job. Uh, no, man, but honestly, you're talking about crap. AC's fantastic, man. He's played great, uh, and from what I heard, he played great in, in practice the last couple of years. But you know, you you don't get that shot when you're sitting behind Nick Batum and Wes Matthews. You know, it's not like you can complain. Uh, but no, it's really cool to see these guys get their shot and actually do something with it. You know, you got to think the majority of players don't, you know, get that chance. And when they do, they blow it and they're out of the league. You know, they're playing somewhere else. They're playing over in Europe. So it's cool to see two of our guys, homegrown that we drafted, work so hard with the staff and everything and actually paying dividends, man. Those guys are the reason why we are. We all knew Dame was going to do what he's doing. Uh, I honestly thought Dame's numbers might have gone down this year because defenses were going to be more on him with L.A. not there. Uh, or the shooters around the wings that can open that court up for him to work. So what he's doing is fantastic. But uh, what CJ and AC are doing, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. we got a pretty sick uh, three-man backcourt. You know, I, I love the three guards that we have. Uh, I've mentioned I think it's probably our best three-guard rotation since we had Dame, uh, Smitty, and Bonzi in 2000. But do you think, and I was talking to Sage with this while he while he was visiting, it might have been a blessing in disguise that Wesley tore his Achilles. Obviously, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, especially the Achilles. But Wesley was firmly entrenched ahead of CJ, ahead of Will Barton, ahead of Alan Crabb. But that, that team ceiling might have been second round. And now Wesley, he was going to get the max regardless, whether it was us or another team. But he was really just a great three-point shooter and a gritty defender. Now that opens up the lane for a guy like CJ, who's probably a better all-around scorer, not as well um, versed at the defense, but you know one of the best pure one-on-one scores that the game has. And then it opened the door for you know Alan Crabb. So I pose that question to you: Do you think it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise, or do you think you would have liked to roll the dice with a healthy 2015 roster into this season as well? Uh, CJ's. I'll say those last seven weeks of that season, whatever it was last year when West did go down, obviously helped CJ. They gave him the chance that he'd been waiting for instead of, uh, you know, waiting all summer, not really knowing. He had that confidence. And then as soon as, I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm sure as soon as, you know, West went to where he was going to Dallas, you know, they pulled CJ aside and said, look, man, it's your turn. You know, like just what we were talking about. It's your time to step up. And uh, for those out there that don't know him, I don't know if you guys had a chance to actually meet and talk to him. Just a just an amazing kid, man. Just a, just a nice guy. I mean, just good head on his shoulders, well-spoken. Um, just, just, I mean, just everything about him, man, is great. Um, reminds me a lot of, he's got a lot of confidence, which is cool. Uh, but you know, I mean, just with the friends you have, there's a fine line between confidence and being cocky. Players got to have that, man. They got to have that swag. And I'll tell you what, I've seen CJ this year, one, two, three times. Get up in people's faces. I mean, you guys have seen in games, he's laid wood on someone and uh, got up in his grill. I think him and J.J. Barea or him and Ricky Rubio earlier mm-hmm. this year got into it. I was like, damn, where'd that come from? You know, but uh, no, man, CJ's got that swag about him and his game is sick, man. 
I mean, his game is absolutely sick. So, it, yeah, for him, for his career, it was a blessing in disguise. CJ as a person wouldn't have wanted anything, you know, to happen. No one ever wants something to happen to anybody, even a teammate. But when that door opens up and you got a shot to go through, everybody, I'll tell you what, <laughs> this has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but you want to talk about swag a player has. I remember um, Jared Bayless, his rookie year, and it was media day, down at, down at the uh, Rose Garden. Sorry, Moda Center. And uh, they, and this is when you, does everybody know you used to work for the Blazers? Uh, but, uh, when they would walk everybody around on media day, uh, they yeah. would, yeah, I'm standing there. I know the guys I was down there helping out. I'd never met Bayless no. before. What's that? I think he's a little behind and laggy right now. Oh yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, man, I'll finish up real quick. Brandon Roy standing there. B comes up and says, John, how was your summer? I'm like, Hey man, what's up? I go, hey, Jared, I said, what do you feel about having to play with him, you know, playing against him in practice? And Jared Bayless looked at me and said, he's got to play me. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, who is this kid, you know, to talk about, you know, B-Roy like that. But you got to have that man in this league. You got to have that swag. People don't see it because CJ's so polished, you know, as a person. But, dude, he's got that killer instinct too, man. And that you, you want that from a player. You know, he's fantastic. Yeah. Looked like Dustin's. Bummy-ass internet finally gave out. Yeah, dude. He's got that dial-up. It's that AOL. <laughs> For everybody here, he's got, a, he's got a little phone. Oh, there he is. I'm back. All right, he's back. But anyway, <laughs> Jared Bayless had swag. That whole story always cracks me up when I think about it back in the day. Uh, and CJ, yeah. I mean, it was, it was an opportunity for him, uh, a hidden blessing that he was able to get out there kind of get the ball rolling for this season. And he, uh, man, he's just, it's ridiculous. If he doesn't have most improved player wrapped up, it's ridiculous who would. Exactly. He's playing he out of his mind. Quiet confidence about him. I remember uh, it was the summer of 2013, and, and me and Justin Moulter, we went out to PDX, and we were going to follow him around for his first couple days as a trailblazer, and just the most professional player you could think of and this kid was just coming right out of college but you could tell a lot of players have talent but you have to learn how to handle yourself off the court and everything that comes with being an NBA player we put a microphone in his hands right off the bat and he knew what to do with it so you could just tell right then this kid was big time uh you knew he was a great basketball player but once you saw that put two and two together it was only a matter of time before he broke out and you know couldn't couldn't happen to a better person, especially after breaking his foot and hearing Neil O'Shea talk about that. He was able to see him play one time before he broke his foot, which allowed him the confidence to pick him. Uh, things kind of fall into place for whatever reason. So it was, maybe it was destiny. Maybe it was fate. A little bit of luck. Whatever. I'll, I'll take it as long as CJ ends up in Portland, which happened. Uh, you you got to love it. Most but definitely. I still want to look back at that that Hornets game and – Batum obviously got a, a huge round of applause, which was no surprise, but everybody was really dogging that Henderson Von for Batum trade because Nico was balling out of control. In, in November, he won a player of the week. He had a near triple-double against us in Charlotte, but then he, he, he went one of 11. He just had three points, and it was almost like, you know, it was it was Nick. He's he's just inconsistent. I know he was battling a toe injury. He said so as such. He just really wanted to play in front of the Portland fans, which you know I definitely give 
applause to him because I wanted to see him play. But do you think he's going to get paid this summer? And if he does, will we see more November Nick? Or will it be kind of what we've seen throughout his career? Just, uh, you know, great one night, good the other nights. Oh, man, Nick's going to get maxed out. I mean, Mm -hmm. with this money, even even if there wasn't going to be this drastic bump in the salary cap that there's going to be, He's gonna. He was gonna get maxed out anyway. When you get a player, you know, I'm a huge Nick fan. Always have been. I look at it like this dude was the 29th pick in the draft. Well, I mean, there's not. There's there's hardly any players that are that are picked in the second half of the draft that are even in the league, let alone doing stuff that he does. A lot of people hold him at a different you know level. That's where I hold him. That's where I. That's just like with Rudy Fernandez. I was like, I don't care if he was a star. Over in Europe, I don't care if he was, you know, this and that. In the NBA, he was a late first-round pick. If a late first-round pick had come off the bench and hit some threes for me, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I look at things. I look at things a little bit different. As far as him getting paid, he's going to get paid. Whether he stays in Charlotte or not, I doubt it. You know, ironically, you know, he's going to go somewhere like San Antonio or somewhere. He's going to get his money. If a if a player like Middleton for Milwaukee or whoever this Tobias Harris dude is for Orlando, <laughs> if these dudes. I know basketball, bro. And if I'm like, who? When I'm, when I'm reading Twitter, when I'm reading Twitter in July, and I'm hearing that Middleton gets seventy-two million dollars. Now that I say this, watch him light us up tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> and Harris, you know, is getting what he got. You got to be kidding me, dude. Nick Batum is twice the player those guys are. I mean, he's filling the stat sheets. Uh, like I said, I'm biased because I'm a huge fan. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, he'll get his money. Oh, definitely. You basically named two of my favorite mid-tier small forwards right there. Because <laughs> I got a man crush on both. I, I I really wanted both on the Blazers, to be honest. You, so. might be, you might be the only guy in the world, man, right there. I don't think I'm the only. So you rocking a Middleton jersey down to the mall? If he went on the Blazers, I'd be the <laughs> first one in line. You know what, though, man? Those are the kind of guys. When we signed Wesley Matthews back in the day, I was like, what the heck? We're signing who? Uh, no, I like to think that I know talent and I know the game, but those scouts know a lot more than I do. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, man, Nick's going to get his money. The, the market value has already been set. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think we did a good job uh, with bringing in Aminu for, and Ed Davis. I mean, when you start looking at these contracts, they already started last summer. So it's going to be ridiculous. I mean, there's going to be guys that you're like, what team does he even play for? And those dudes are going to get, you know, $90 million contracts. That's just the way of the biz now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get wacky. And that's what's so crazy about us having so much salary cap. In a normal situation, you'd almost be looking forward to this summer of us having so much more than everybody else. Damn, everybody's going to have salary cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of takes away our advantage. In a normal year, we'd be able to – take on a bad contract and get maybe one or two first round picks out of it. But with the salary cap, you know, just booming, that really takes away nearly all of our leverage, which is a bit of a bummer. Well, being in a small market team as well. I mean, being that we all, they always mentioned small market. um, That does take away a little bit of what advantage we would have to try to bring in some, some guys. Well, we've talked about this on the podcast. Portland gets named the number one food city. Housing prices are rising through the roof. If the day comes where NBA free agents call Portland a number one destination, that'll be the day hell probably freezes over. How sweet would that be if clubs, uh, weather, and things like that didn't matter? But it was all <laughs> it was all about food carts and microbrew 
smelly hipsters. Like if you like smelly hipsters, you know, like that. If that was important to the guys, how cool would that be, man? We'd have everybody, LeBron, KD, everybody would be on our team. We'd have an all-star team in Portland. I mean, why even worry about owning a car when you have such fantastic public transportation in the Portland metro area? There you go. Max is where it's at. That's what we need to do. We need to get Max and get a hashtag Max thing going on. Now, how sweet would that be to see Katie going from Clackamas to the Rose Guard to the Moda Center for work? Dustin's just killing it with good ideas. Gave, we just gave Neil Olshay his, his marketing pitch for the summer of 2016. Hey, those guys know exactly what they're doing. I'm going to stay out of their way. It's just my job to make them look good oh, on for sure. Yeah. Since since you mentioned Durant, I wasn't going to bring this up, but what do you make of this article uh, report that Durant and Westbrook want to team up in Los Angeles? Doesn't that sound really counterproductive? You no. already are together, and you can. I could see it happening. I could see really? it happening. I I could I was I was joking around with guys saying that I could see that happening anyway. I mean, Westbrook is from L.A., and you know he wants to go back there. Well, yep. I guess I can't speak for him. But, you know, he's got all the little tight pants and the fancy shirts. So <laughs> he can buy all those down there all he wants. Uh, no, no, no. But, um, you know, L.A., Wait, dude, that's a draw. It's a draw to play. It's a I lost Dustin. I did, too. His internet's so trash. I thought mine was bad. Nah. He shouldn't. He shouldn't spend his money on all those fancy hats and stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> he no, is... it's not. I'm, I've got full bars right here, guys. All right, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, because we're talking trash about that internet. <laughs> you got full bars. <laughs> Come on, B. <laughs> uh, but about about what I, I know you can hear us. <laughs> <laughs> the draw. Hey. <laughs> The draw to play in L.A. is and New York is in Miami. Those type of places are amazing. I know these guys want to be there. Mm-hmm. Whether they're not, I mean, I don't know anything. That's just me. And if Katie, Katie says, look, I'm going to leave you for one year. You join me with, with all the young guys they got and with Ben Simmons coming in this summer. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to be, they might just be crushing it. I could see that happening. I mean, who knows? There's also the talk that Durant might be going back home to Washington, so who knows? Can't we agree that Ben Simmons should go to Philly? I mean, it's like a top six media market. He'll get his shine in Philly, and we won't have to deal with him that often. I think it's a win-win for everyone. How many 6'9", 6'10", dudes can you get on one squad? One more. One more, right. Give us Jeremy Grant, and we'll be happy. I'll be happy. Who do you want? Jeremy Grant. Where's he? Philly. Oh, the player for Philly. Mm-hmm. What's with you and all these no-name weird... I, hey, you say you watch six uh, six games a day, so do I. <laughs> I do watch Philly, but I skip through those games pretty fast. <laughs> I tell you what, we were just there two weeks ago playing them. I didn't. I barely knew who any of the guys were. I know all of them. Daily Fantasy, man, is a dangerous drug because I, I have to watch shitty basketball to you know get the right lineup. So... <laughs> When I think Nerlens Noel is going to have a good game, I got to watch. Uh, no, he's fun to watch. And I tell you what, Parker lit us up, mm-hmm. or uh, not Jabari Parker, uh, Okafor. Mm-hmm. He, he was a he bad boy. Him. Yeah, um, <laughs> I always thought he might be undersized too, but he seems to be doing all right down there. Yeah, he has a great post moves. Dustin just looks so pouty in the frozen face. Yeah, for everybody at home, there's a picture of Dustin. 
And I'm keeping it. I'm every keeping time, all this. Every every no, time his internet broken? goes down. Every time his internet goes down, uh, he's got a cute little face there. Who's he with? His sister? <laughs> I hope not. He, <laughs> I, I believe it's his beloved wife. But is Dustin? Is he married? Yeah. Oh man, Dustin, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know that. She's really cool. <laughs> is she hot? Is she dumpy? Why did he cut her out of the picture? <laughs> Dustin, you need to be proud of your woman. She's a very hey, hot European woman. So is she European? Yeah. Oh, but, she's one of those male. She's a mail order bride. <laughs> Yo, ladies of PDX, Dustin is a married man, but he is a very charming married man. Oh, Thank man. you. Like, Romanian, he, I got, Romanian I got woman seeking blazer fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's got that old, like, he's got dad swag is the best way I can put it. He's got really charming dad swag. Well, yeah. We need to hang out more because my kids' friends, I'll say I'm the coolest dad out of all their friends. He's a cat dad. He isn't a real dad yet, but he's got the swag of a of a really cool dad that would let you uh, watch basketball till eleven o'clock on a school night. You'll lose that shit once oh, he has to change his diaper. <laughs> <laughs> come, come see me, Dustin. Let's see how cool you are when you're changing diapers, bro. We'll do. We'll do. I'll hit you up. I'll send you a couple quick pics. <laughs> that works, man. That works. Man, looking at the screen for Dustin, it looks like I'm underwater. It's so blurry. Oh. You look like a 1965 documentary about goldfish. Exactly. Now just do that the rest of the time we're on, bro. All right, I'll be good. I'll be good, ambiance. All right, man, let's go. Shoot away. New topic. All right. What do you think about – have you noticed Terry Stotts changing up his defensive philosophy? Because the last two times we have played DeMarcus Cousins, we've pretty much made – him a very angry bear. Uh, he was just uh, four of twenty-one as the Trailblazers kind of ran away from that game against the Kings. When at the time it put Portland into eighth position at West, so it was a big game for the Trailblazers. I don't think Stotts last year would have double teamed him. He would have let Rolo go one on one. But the help side double teams have been very surprising and uh, a breath of fresh air for me because I love the fact that we threw the the gauntlet at Demarcus because he's not a fantastic passer. No, he's not smart. He's smarter than people think out there. But, well, he also makes some pretty stupid mistakes all the time. But uh, as far as that Sacramento game, I'll give Myers props, man. I mean, like you said, it, was, it wasn't just a one-man thing. I mean, Myers went out there and was doing what a lot of people thought he should have been doing a long time ago, being more physical. The guy's seven foot. Uh, but the weak side help that would come over. Plumlee, if I'm not mistaken, would come over sometimes. Or uh, Ed Davis would swing over there and cut that baseline off because – DeMarcus likes to go baseline a lot. Once he gets going on that pivot move, though, you know he's not passing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, combination, you know, for him, for his sake, combination, He, they did have that double overtime game, you know, the night before. Uh, as far as I go, since I travel with the team, I can tell you getting in late, I mean, they got into the hotel probably at 2.30. Uh, not going to give him excuses. I'd rather give our guys props for what they did. But, yeah, Terry Stossman, he's mixing it up on the defensive end. Um, with the bigs coming over on weak side, we don't trap that often, I don't think. Um, but but I tell you what, like we talked earlier, man, the guys being able to get out in the wings, things like that, when they are popping the ball back out, has been fantastic. So, yeah, they did. They did a great job on Cousins. Uh, I do want to give Myers props on that. He laid some wood on him a couple of times. That was good. We needed that. 
Yeah, he definitely Myers can be a bad it. boy when he wants to be. Oh yeah, I've been hypercritical of uh, Stotts' schemes, but he's definitely mixed it up, been more balanced, been more able to adapt to things in the game. So I want to give him props for that. He definitely he, he's doing his homework on teams. Some might say he has maybe not as many good tools this year to work with, but more tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like hanging out with you guys, a couple of tools. <laughs> uh, no, man. Um, he's got a lot more uh, tools in the toolbox to work with, man. If you can throw out – we got a lot of these 6'9 dudes you can run out there, 6'8 guys that are able to get around the court. Uh, you know, When you got guys you can throw in like that nonstop – uh, it helps. Maybe that's given him an option to do things he's wanted to do in the past or wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. I really like it when Myers gets angry. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like a flip gets switched and he's yelling, he's pounding his chest, the three's dropping more, he's getting into scuffles and he's becoming I don't want to I don't want to say Bill Lambeer, but it, that's the the name that comes to my mind. He'll never be as dirty as as Bill, but just that type of player that just gets underneath their skin and uh, does more harm for the other team. And he's just, you love him on your team. You hate to play against him. Right. No, I like the Steven Adams type Myers mm-hmm. Leonard mm-hmm. a lot more than the, uh, what, Mehmet Okur Myers yeah. Leonard. I like him banging down though, man. I mean, the guy can drop threes, so we got to use that. It spreads the court and helps us out, obviously. But when you're that size, we need that help down low sometimes. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, like you were saying, man, it was cool to see him, you know, like I said, he laid wood on Cousins and stared him down. That's pretty kick-ass, man. I mean, Myers has the body type of you and I, so you got to use that that mass. Yeah, I'm like a 5'11 Myers Leonard. Exactly. I'm a six-foot <laughs> Asian Myers Leonard. Neither of you have the locks, though. No, yeah, I know. I'm not rocking that. I can grow Jufro if I really tried hard. <laughs> I'm growing out a couple of my bangs. <laughs> Look, real. You got that Hendo haircut. It's all good, man. <laughs> I wish I was as good looking as that dude, as the chicks think. So let's move on to to kicks. Dame drops, well, I think four pairs of of shoes this past weekend. The the year of the monkey, the away, the Northern Lights, and the Jesse Owens Black History Month, and the the home Rip City colorways are due out in probably a week or two. What's and what about favorite? the all star? What about the all star ones? Weren't there like some? Those were the Northern Lights ones. Oh my bad. Okay. No, it's all good. What What's your favorite pair that he's dropped that hasn't been custom so far? Um, of those ones, I I, I think the white, um, the white Rip City ones. I think is what they're calling them. The gum yep. sole ones. I think those are clean, man. I think those are sharp. Uh, I, I'm a gum sole freak, man. Anything that's got that old school gum sole on them, I like. Uh, haven't tried them on. Um, Talking to him when they first dropped and he was out there working out in them, uh, he said he had a little bit more input on these, I guess. Um, and I guess they, they fit better. I guess he likes them a lot more, the sole and stuff. Uh, can't speak for him, but what I'm hearing is, is that they're a lot more comfortable. I thought the first ones were really comfortable. Yeah, I have a pair of the ones and the twos, and I think it's night and day how much oh, more so comfortable you've tried them, are. So, yeah, you'd know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he peer pressured me into buying some. I am also a Dame 2 owner. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I messed around today on uh, when I saw his tweet that you were able that it went to the. Uh, they call it my Adidas or me Adidas. What's the mi? I thought it was my Adidas. I, yeah, you think it was. Um, but I went on there and tricked around a little bit and 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 created the one that I think I will get eventually, if if my wife 
finds out about this, you guys, we got, I'm going to get in trouble. But yeah, I want to order a pair. Yeah, this isn't going out on the internet or anything, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I won't just, say anything if you won't say anything. No, she's too hot to understand how the internet works. <laughs> I way out kicked my coverage on that one. Attaboy. Hey, man. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. So speaking of, of sneakers, what are you are a sneakerhead. What are some of your all-time classics that if you could go back to a time machine that you would go to the store and pick up right now? Shoot, man. I, it's, I got a cool picture on Facebook that my brother put up the other day. Um, I had the very first Jordans. I mean, the very first ones. Uh, living in Portland, man, you knew guys, you knew people that worked at Nike. And uh, I used to, te- so when I was like a size nine in like seventh grade when they dropped, um, I tested them for our neighbors that were Nike guys. So they brought these shoes and they were like red and black and no one had colored shoes other than the Celtics back then. And everybody hated the Celtics. So they were red and black. And I was like, dang. And they had a little serial code number on the back. And back then you had to write down on a clipboard, you know, how they felt. You rated it one through 10. And I remember going to basketball camp in Concordia University. And uh, that whole area used to be real sketchy back in the day. So I'm like one of the only white kids down there and I'm rocking these shoes and these dudes are freaking out. They just didn't know what they were. And so I always have those memories, you know, when you think of shoes and growing up. Uh, But man, the very first Jordans were like, you know, my all time faves. Um, Haven't been able to get them because now with all these sneakerhead shoe collectors out there, they just get them and sell them or get them and, and just, you know, it's a whole business for them. I just, I tweeted out one of some kicks, kicks a fire someone that i follow on twitter put out something saying hey the jordan ones blah 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 are coming out here are the 15 ways to guarantee that you'll get them and i replied to the tweet saying well if you had the first ones can you get in the front of the line to get these ones you know uh because old school guys man that's those are the ones you know those are the old the the old shoes you had that you always have memories of uh but i've been able to grab some some of my old favorites again like the jordan twos i've got some lows, uh, a bunch of other random ones. I like the old school stuff. I do like some of the new stuff, but the old school stuff is where it's at. Were you ever, uh, were you solely a Nike or Adidas or Reebok or did you just, whatever you saw you liked, you went out and got? Oh shoot, man. My parents didn't buy shoes for me. I'd always, I'd always, uh, mow grab, mow yards in the neighborhood and stuff and save up. My parents were like, you got one pair of shoes in September and then you won like in the springtime that you could, you know, wear through summer. Uh, but there's a place over in Northeast Portland <clears throat> on Alberta and about 30th. And uh, this was way before Alberta, what it is now. And you had, it was very sketchy down there. So if, you, if you're if from the neighborhood, they let you down there, you know. So I'd go with my mom. And it was called B&R. And it was an old, now it's like this real hip restaurant where they're on the corner and they've got a real cool corner door. And uh, it used to be just covered in chain link, the windows were. And it was this two old, old Jewish people, this old grandma and grandpa. And no one ever knew what B&R stood for. But they had all the old, they had all the freshest kicks for the neighborhood. Uh, and Fila sweatsuits. Oh. And, and, and velour troop sweatsuits. And the old, you know, Nike posters of the Iceman and all the old school original stuff. And so you'd go in there and the coolest thing is, and like right now, I could go right now and put on my Facebook, B&R Shoes. And I, I shit you not, I'm probably get a hundred people by tomorrow. You walked away with a Tootsie Roll. And that was like the coolest thing, man. You go and get all this gear and you get your Air Force Ones and your shell toes and all this stuff. And you walk out with a Tootsie Roll. And uh, that was almost as cool as getting the shoes. 
But to answer your question, man, I ended up having to say by mowing yards and stuff. It was it was probably more Nikes. Um, but I always did have a pair of shell toes that were always around because those are probably Adidas Superstar shells are probably my favorite shoes. If I had to pick just one, it probably I probably have thirty pairs of shell toes. And so the Run DMC era was right when you were growing up. So I mean that had to have played like a huge role in in your love for those kicks. Fat laces, man. I was the only white kid growing up in middle school that had fat laces. I don't even know if you guys remember that, but super. Did you take out laces too, like they did? You know what, man? I never did that. Some of my boys did, but I never understood it because it's like you trip, you couldn't walk with them, and yep. they'd always flip up. They'd flip up the tongues, and I'm like, "What? Come on, we're in Portland, man. We're not in Brooklyn." But uh, yeah, I always had the shells, man, and we had the fat laces. Vandals. I don't know if you guys remember the vandals that came out. They were canvas and had a strap around the side. Uh, they're, they, they were basically canvas versions of Air Force One high tops. And they had a strap. And you guys would remember Rasheed Wallace down the stretch of his yep. career had those high tops with the straps. And he knew what was going on. She's about, she's my age. And you would, uh, you had to turn them inside out and then clip them in the back so they dangle on the back. And so you'd see the Nike uh, sign on the back and you wouldn't have them strapped up. And that's when you knew you were good to go is if you had your vandals. And that's what all the breakdancers were. That's what the breakers were, were vandals. And uh, I don't know, you're able to grab the shoes and walk away with them because they were almost like handles. And that's handles on the vandals is what they used to say. So you've brought up a lot of references to hip hop culture. And I was promised a little conversation about hip hop. So what were you listening to in the 90s? Well, first of all, I don't want to I don't want to scare any of your listeners with all this knowledge that I'm about to drop. <laughs> They've listened to me for 19-plus podcasts talk about hip-hop in random references, so I think they're ready. Well, it's funny that you ask. It goes to show you. It's funny that you ask what you say in the 90s. I mean, I graduated in 1990. The golden age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to be honest with you, when I think of hip-hop, I'll go back even further, and it's like the 80s, the Mm -hmm. mid-80s, where where it transitioned more from uh, break beats and and more fast, almost techno hip-hop where it first started out. And then it slowed down and became more Eric B and Rakim and uh, artists like that that took it to a whole nother level. Uh, One second. When you start, yeah. You know what, though, man? I, I'm, I'm a NOS guy. I'm more of an East Coast hip-hop guy growing up, even though I was on the West. Uh, Public Enemy, stuff like that dropped when I was in high school. Once you got to the 90s and then uh, NWA was the late 80s and stuff like, oh, look at this. So for all our fans back home, we got follow the leader, Eric B. and Rakim. Not bad. Uh, when it came to that, man, I went more with uh, NWA dropped, and that mm. was really big. And so it's kind of it's, it's ironic that this whole movie came out this summer. I still actually, I think I'm the only person that hasn't seen it. I almost don't want yeah. I just don't want to see it, man. I used to go to swap meets at my grandma's down in L.A. and uh, get all the 12-inch final remixes, the Easy e remixes and stuff. So I almost I'm scared that they're going to ruin my whole memories of the whole thing. But uh, I've heard good things about it. So, what, uh, but once you started, what, what you started going to the '90s, though, I'm sorry, man. To answer your question, once we did get to the '90s, man, um, mid '90s, shoot, man. Once that whole, I was a huge Goody Mob and Outkast fan. Mm-hmm. Once it got more into that whole uh, Master P, all that crap, I completely lost it. But if you stay with the whole 
Dungeon Family stuff. I was a really big Outcast and Goody Mob fan. So it's funny to think CeeLo, everybody thinks he was just some singer lately. I mean, that's where he got his start. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love those guys. Still love the East Coast stuff, man. I was a really big Nas, Public Enemy, Eric B. and Rakim. Just truly. The Roots are also mm-hmm. one of my favorite groups. And they're one of the few groups that's, that have been able to continue on and still put out quality stuff. I was a huge Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. Anything like that, those are all my favorites, and I still drop that stuff. I still listen to that stuff, and it's really cool to have a kid now where I can transfer that mm-hmm. knowledge over to that. And so it's cool. You know, there's a lot of crap out there today, so I'll go downstairs and hear my son listen to some Tribe Called Quest or some Nas while he's in the shower, and that always makes me proud. So for me, uh, the first rhyme that really spoke to me was uh, Rock Cam saying, Mind Raised in Asia off the Follow the Leader joint. Because I misheard it and thought he said mom raised in Asia. So I'm like, oh, all right. Rakim and I, are, we bonded over that. So like that just sparked the whole interest in hip hop is from that one misquoted line. Rakim is Japanese. I thought you knew this. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, he's the most God body Japanese dude in the world then. No, dude. That, yeah, you can't go wrong, man. Arguably one of the best. I mean, he's he's my probably top rapper of all time if you had to put guys together i mean a lot of people say tupac and biggie speaking of 90s i was huge there's so much out there i can't tell you everything i was listening to uh once biggie came around and tupac and stuff that was fantastic Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah strictly lyrics though when there was no one i mean rakim just created that stuff Mm -hmm. i mean he he listened to some of the old school guys but he was dropping lyrics you know, you got KRS One with Boogie Down Productions and stuff like that. I mean, those guys drop mad. Get more records, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They drop mad lyrics. It's ridiculous. KRS One yeah. is like my like. I, I really want him. Like he is my father in a way because he taught me how to treat women. He taught me like <laughs> peace, love, and unity, and having fun. Right, Teddy Pendergrass and Barry White taught me how to treat women, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, to each his own. I, I was more of a KRS One. <laughs> Right, right. Dustin, Tupac taught Dustin how to treat women. <laughs> That's how he landed some hot Romanian chick, right? Ukrainian, first of all. Ukrainian, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, right. And, and, but there's there's not too many groups out there that have continued to transcend and continue on. The Roots, it's weird to see them on TV, but man, those dudes are still laying down solid tracks. Uh, I've always respected them. Uh, and one of my favorite, favorite groups uh, growing up listening to the favorite live performance I ever saw was the Roots with Outkast. And that was just unbelievable. It was, it was amazing. But my mom, my dad raised me on classic rock and jazz. My son's name is Miles. Um, my mom raised me on uh, R&B and soul and nothing but Stevie Wonder and Motown and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my dad lives in the country all the time. So, I mean, I'll listen pretty much right now. You know, you look at my iTunes, there's everything there except you know, like modern country or some crap like that, I wouldn't go for. But in everything else, man, I'll, I'll listen to everything. So what about the new guys? What about the guys coming out in 2015, 16? What, what do you think about those guys? Uh, do I lose street cred if I say I like Drake? Or are you supposed to? I'll tell you what, dude, Drake's beats are ridiculous. I, oh, yeah. My my son cracks up. I go pick him up at school, and I, I have to remember to turn my stereo down because my wife reminds me that I'm not a kid anymore. Uh, his beats are unbelievable, man. I'm loving them. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's lyrics are just bananas. I mean, that dude, it's not that's even not real. Stuff. Yeah, the stuff he's doing, it's just, 
he reminds me of a young Andre 3000, man. He reminds me of Dre back on his first, same vibe, same tempo, same kind of feel. It's weird that he's a West Coast guy because he doesn't really have that West Coast vibe. Um, Kendrick's fantastic. Like I said, Drake, I mean, those are, those are more of the mainstream guys. I don't dig as much as I used to. I don't have that time, mm-hmm. you know, with the family and stuff. I I used to dig and I was trying to find some abstract stuff. Um, but now there's stuff out there and there's, I got to give a plug to my man, um, Versatile, who uh, I grew up with. He's here from the neighborhood. He was part of the Lifesavers. Oh, uh, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and so him and Shines and um, and Solomon, those guys, they, I grew up with all of those guys. They're all my age. And so it's cool to see them continue to put some stuff out. And Verse has just put out some good stuff lately. Touring all over the world with Black Alicious and guys like that, the whole quantum movement from down in the Bay. Uh, they're still putting out some good stuff, too. So it's always... It's tough to, you know, you get to a point in my life, it's it's tough to keep up with uh, the young guys. So I end up listening to the older stuff. But every now and then, stuff pops up like Kendrick and some of this stuff that just blows you away how good it is. Mm-hmm. So when can we expect to be some Kendrick or Outcast or Tribe coming in, you know, Mike Barrett's like, we got this new, uh, or we got this old Outcast coming in from the fourth quarter from, from La Carrasca. When can we expect that on the next Blazer broadcast? And it's and it's a tough situation, man. Because if it were up to me, I'd I'd definitely be hearing more of that. Uh, when it does squeeze through and you hear it, it's definitely me getting that in there. That's the vibe I'm bringing. Uh, but dude, don't get me wrong, man. I I'll listen to Rage Against the Machine. I'll listen to anything. I I listen to everything. So, uh, yeah, I'll try to see what I can do. One of the best ones I ever did was a couple years ago. I used some Biggie down where in L.A. Going back to Cali, <laughs> and it was uh, it was pretty sweet, man. I've used some fresh stuff out in New York and. We mix it up. I've used some common in Chicago. Uh, it's it. It's a it's a it's more than just me picking music. Sometimes we got some filters we got to go through. Oh yeah, and I'm, I'm sure the editing <laughs> process sucks. Yeah, the man's holding me down, man. What can I say? Yeah, uh, I think my favorite this year was the ambitions of the rider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so we were sitting there, and as I was doing it, I was like, you know what, man, we got to grit it up a little bit, make it go black and white. So I chopped it all together, threw the music in there did the editing and had my technical director, the guy who sits up front and pushes all the buttons to make sure it, that's what goes out, you know, onto the, that's what leaves the truck. And that's what you see. Uh, and I said, Hey, dirty it up, make it gritty, make it black and white, mix it up a little bit. And then when, just when we were in Brooklyn playing, um, uh, playing the nets, I threw some BC boys together cause they're from Brooklyn and, uh, I used so what you want. And, uh, if you guys remember that video, it was all negative, the cheesy, you know, negative effect. So we did that. Uh, and that was a fun one, too, just to kind of mix it up. So to end our hip-hop talk, I hate to do this, but who okay. are your top five? Top, are, five top five top groups? Or rappers? Yeah, MCs. <sighs> Damn, dude. I'll do That's mine after the- yours if you want me to. Are you talking about MCs? Because I can go groups as well. Because I, I like hip-hop groups as well. Fa- top but- five favorite hip-hop Acts. Acts. In no particular order. Miley Cyrus. All right. Starting Taylor, very- Taylor Swift. My daughter's telling me to say that. Uh, <laughs> you know what, man? I'm going to go Tribe Called Quest, Nas, Eric B. and Rakim, Outkast, The Roots. I'm, I'll keep going. Goody Mob. Mm-hmm. Guys I've already mentioned. I mean, that just... If you really want to go back, man, uh, Public Enemy was just amazing, their mm-hmm. first couple albums. It's just so groundbreaking. Things people wouldn't even understand, you know. Now people can copy stuff. These guys were creating this stuff. 
Uh, new guys, though, man, it's it's different. This stuff is so much more cleaned up and 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 pretty, you know, pretty fied or whatever you want to say. Uh, it's just not as gritty as it used to be. I mean, there's but still some cats doing the gritty stuff. Yeah, and that's just it, man. I'm not I'm not out there like I used to. So yeah, I'm sure I mean, I mean I, digging's, I definitely... digging's difficult. Digging's time consuming. You can't go wrong with Biggie, man. I mean, no. Biggie's is ridiculous too. I mean, as short as his run was, man, he's got an amazing amount of tracks mm-hmm. as well. And you know what? I'm saying this now. I'm going to get off. You know, when we're done, I'll fire my iTunes up, and I know I'm going to see 30 other groups that I didn't even mention. So we got at least one. I mean, Eric uh, Rockham is definitely in mine. Cannabis is easily okay. number one. Rip the Jacker is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. KRS One. You know what? I'm going Sky Zoo at my four spot, and then Chino XL at five. See, so you're going to more of those more underground, more not so known guy oh, respect. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Dustin's probably a Will Smith fan. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I had uh, getting jiggy with it, the album as an eighth grader. So I'm Nas gonna... wrote it. Nas wrote it. So it's all good. Oh man, I'm messing no, with you, Dustin. I've got a couple of year names as well. Uh, Kendrick, Biggie, Outkast, Tribe. The fifth one's kind of hard. Off, it's either Nas or Tupac, but those are probably my five. I De La Soul's up there. Um, oh. Nappy Roots. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it's tough. There's just so many artists out there. Old Jay Z is good. I think Jay Z after Black Album was kind of trash, if we're if we're being honest. But Reasonable Doubt's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, it's tough to find new acts, like you're saying. It's it really is because the like you said the 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 older artists they did all the the creating, and now you're getting some of the new artists who are able to sample those beats that have already been out there. It's like the dunk contest, if you want to put it in that way. It's hard to come out with new things that nobody's ever seen before. Sure, you want to know what man? Two weird things about hip hop with me. I'm one of those rare ones that didn't start liking Jay Z until his later stuff. I totally respect what people's opinions about how the earlier stuff is better. His stuff, the last three albums, it's just produced so ridiculously well, and the beats are so sick that it's just I'm just like blown away at how good this stuff is. Uh, but that's rare because usually I'm the other way around. Like most people, you like the first things. And the other thing that's crazy is I became a huge jazz fan because of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, what are you talking about? And I had a few DJs. My, my, my friend Shines, who's the DJ for the Lifesavers, Ryan turned me on. He started making mixtapes back in the early 90s where he would mix in Tribe Called Quest and he would mix in all these laid back, jazzy hip hop artists and then jam right into the originals. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. So then I would go and get that CD or go and get that album. So I literally became, my dad turned me on to jazz. But it was because of the whole Daisy Age with De La Soul and the whole tribe and and a, a bunch of other different groups like that. That jazz influence totally flipped the script on me, and I was I was hooked, man. Because of hip hop, I listen to jazz. A lot of people don't even think of it like that. Same here, same here, completely and totally. Like Love Supreme is definitely has to be on my top five favorite art albums of all time. Right, for sure. <clears throat> You better get us back on the basketball or we're talking hip-hop for another hour. <laughs> we could talk hip-hop. We could also talk hoops. The Blazers have a, a three-game week this week. Uh, the two more on, left on the homestand, the Bucks uh, tomorrow, the Raptors on Thursday, and 
They start a quick uh, two-game road trip in Houston on Saturday. Let's move over to the Bucks. It looks like they're about to take a loss in Sacramento uh, right now. They're down oh, by. Man. Looks like. Looks, what's that? I'm recording the game, bro. <laughs> well, we have our listeners. We got to know. Me, this is one game you fi- just want to watch. But they're going to listen to it tomorrow. They'll already know. I'm messing with But I got to act like I know what I'm talking about. I can't say that the Bucks <laughs> are what? 20 and 29. Right. They're, they're about uh, to that's a team. loss. That's a team that that they're coming in on the second night of a back to back. Uh, we all remember that last meeting. Portland lost ninety to eighty eight uh, in Milwaukee. We had a four point lead with twenty two seconds left. The debacle where they couldn't inbound the ball, jump ball. Milwaukee runs a play, gets a layup. Portland loses. Just one of many heartbreakers early on in the season. But this team just completely has failed expectations. If you want to say the Rockets or the Pelicans are the poster childs for underachieving teams out West, it's got to be the Milwaukee Bucks out East. Uh, a lot of people thought they would easily be in the playoff race right now, but I think losing Zaza Pachulia and replacing with Greg Monroe has done more harm than good. Which, which I'd laughed at you if you'd have told me that four months ago. Um, I thought they were going to crush it. I mean, and they had also brought in MCW from Philly during the trade deadline. I mean, and that dude, I was really impressed with his game in Philly. They just haven't lived up to the hype. And uh, it's unfortunate, man. And I don't know. I mean, do you blame kid? I mean, who do you blame? I mean, they outplayed what they were supposed to. You know, they played far and above what they were supposed to last season and surprised a lot of people. Man, they've got way too much talent on their team to be struggling the way they are. So it has to be a mental thing. Well, they were a top defense. They were they were a top defense last year, and switching out Zaza for Greg Monroe, who isn't really a defensive player, it definitely hurts the because the, their identity was defense last year. So. Yeah, well, and definitely. the numbers don't lie either, Sage. If you if you look at the the opponent points this year, they or excuse me, they give up uh, what is it, ninety seven point four. In 2015, that was eighth best in the league. It, it skyrocketed to 103 this year. Their defensive rating last year was fourth best, 102. It's it's up to 109. That's the second worst in the league. So I think you can pinpoint that acquisition as what kind of turned the tide. Monroe was a beast down low, but he's kind of like Al Jefferson, kind of like Ennis Cantor. He doesn't give a rat's ass about defense, and I think it kind of trickles down um, from him through the rest of the team. And if your anchor at center doesn't want to play defense. It's kind of hard for the other four guys to really mask that or want to try as hard either. If you don't have a center that's a defensive-minded center, someone that's going to shut down the lane, you got to have very active wings, and you got to have a point guard that's just hawking the ball at all times just to make up for that. Just like if you have a point guard or a shooting guard that's really bad on defense, you got to make sure you got that guy behind them, like we had last year with Rolo that can bail guys out a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is going to be a game where if the Blazers, if they want to win this game, they just have to out outwork the Bucks. We mentioned Milwaukee's on the second night of a back-to-back. You can grab offensive rebounds against this team. They give up nearly 12 a night. That's third worst. Portland gets about 12 a night. That's their bread and butter. When those shots aren't falling, you put in guys like Ed Davis. You put in Mason Plumlee, uh, Aminu. They're going to go and they're going to crash the glass, and uh, they can really do damage on the second-chance points. I don't think Portland's going to shoot as bad from three as they did against the Timberwolves where they missed, what, maybe their first nine or ten threes it felt like. That was a ugly um, start in that game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really don't think they're going to back that up with another poor shooting net. I think they're going to come out, you know, you know, guns a-blazing. I think it's going to be a hot start for this team. But Portland, they do have to make sure they play interior defense. That is where Milwaukee gets the bulk of their points. They're the, the best team at scoring in the paint. They get about 50 a night. Uh, Portland, thankfully, they defend it. They only give up 39, which is fourth best. So it's going to be kind of like strength versus, versus strength. Uh, one thing Monroe does, he will pass the ball out of a double team. He's a fantastic passer. So if he gets going, Terry's going to have to decide, are we going to want to double this guy and, you know, take our chances with guys like Jabari and Giannis and Middleton from deep, or are we going to let him go one-on-one and hope that he just can't do it all himself? Yeah, it's a loaded team, man. They got a lot of weapons, so it really does surprise me on their uh, their record. Sage, who is your X-Factor for, for that game? Well, Middleton. How'd you know? Their best player. So he's out of the doghouse. Uh, when we played him, uh, when we played the Bucks earlier in the year, he was in Jason Kidd's doghouse. Now he is just flourishing and playing really good ball. So we can't leave him to double on Monroe. So we have to make a conscious effort to stop him. You can let Jabari go off because I don't think he could do much. So. Middleton and Giannis are the people we have to watch out for. And you know, uh, Middleton. I'm just going to say, you got to be in a pretty bad situation if you're in Jason Kidd's doghouse, right? Oh, yeah. Is he, and he's not back, Kidd's not back, I don't think. I don't think so. I think actually, yeah, Joe Prunty, um, best hair in the NBA, that guy. He's got Lego hair, man. (laughs) It works. It's nice. Uh, He's a really, really class dude, too. So it's good to see him. Getting the getting to sit in that hot seat, mm-hmm. and you know Sage mentioned Middleton. Uh, Middleton for January is averaging season highs across the board: twenty point seven points, four point nine assists, and four point four rebounds. So he's definitely starting to live up to that contract a little bit. But I'm going to go second chance points as my X factor. Uh, the Bucks give up fourteen and a half per game, fourth most. The Blazers get exactly that, which is third best in the league, along with the offensive rebounds. The second chance points, I think they're going to outwork the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. They know the Jazz are right on their coattails for that eight spot. They look at the standings every day. They know this is a big game. They know the Bucks are on the second out of the back-to-back. I think they're going to want it more. I think they're going to – I think they'll scrap out a win. I think they'll, they'll extend that winning streak to, to five. What do both of you think about that game uh, coming up on Tuesday? I think Middleton will have a donut. I think he'll be 0 for 15. Just to spite me, huh? And you'll be wearing the jersey up in the stands looking like a dork. Uh, no, honestly, man, um, that can go both ways. This team is loaded. You got to think they're coming off of a back-to-back, so I don't know if Stotts want to maybe push the ball a little bit more, see if they're tired. But if I, you, you've got the stats there with as many athletes as they do. I mean, they seem to like to run the ball. I mean, I know he likes getting uh, Anna Nakumpo out on the wings and finishing, and they're such an athletic team. Um. I think if we can shut down, like you were saying, if we can shut down their second chance points, limit what Monroe and Parker are doing down low, that's going to definitely help. All right. Before we talk about the Raptors, are you recording that game as well? I am, man. Damn. Here, hold on. I'll plug my ears and you say what you got to say. All right, Sage. So he doesn't hear it. The Raptors winning streak was snapped at 11 tonight in, in Denver. Oh. They lost 112 to 93. Uh Motion him. I think you're good, John. Right on. <laughs> okay, we're, we're done talking about that. 
So uh, Toronto started a six-game winning streak tonight in Denver, or not a winning streak, a six-game road trip uh, out west in Denver. Uh, they, they're they on an 11-game winning streak currently. It's kind of like the Blazers where they're kind of beating up on teams they should be. If you really look at the at their winning streak, really the only impressive game that stood out to me was uh, a 112-94 victory over the Clippers back on, on the 24th. I watched that game. It was on uh, NBA TV. Um, however, you got to give them credit during that margin or during that winning streak. They their average margin of victory was eleven point seven points. So, you play the games that are on your schedule. So, if you're playing against a sub five hundred team, you should beat them, and you should beat them by double figures. That's what they're going to do. I think this is going to be a fantastic matchup. That's going to decide, you know, who's really the second best backcourt. We know it's the Warriors, Thompson and Curry. They're they're the best. But a lot of people have said it's you know out east, it's DeRozan and Lowry. Me biased. I'm taking Dame and CJ. I think that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Those those four guys going at it. I tell you what, man. Lowry and Dame have had some battles in the past. They've really gone back and forth in some games. Lowry's solid, man. That dude. I mean, I draft him. He's on my he's on my fantasy team, man. That dude is solid. Um, DeRozan, a little more streaky, mm-hmm. but he's 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 bigger too. So that's the one thing about our backcourt being a little bit smaller. Um, should be a good game, man. Uh, like you said, I'm excited. I know coming out west, they want to prove that it's not just an East Coast, you know, that their record is not. Even though East seems to be doing better this year, a lot of times these teams want to come out and uh, and prove that, hey, we can hang in the West as well. Now, are they coming off of a back-to-back or we get them? No, we they, they're not on a back-to-back. So they'll be resting. That's a tough team, yeah. man. It's a tough team. And our team still on Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they're getting it done defensively too. Uh, they only allow ninety six point seven points, fifth best, and in wins that number decreases to ninety two point one. So they're definitely locking you up. Um, what I was pretty surprised by was how slow of a, a pace they play. Uh, they play at the fifth slowest pace, uh, ninety ninety five point point eight. With a team like Lowry and DeRozan and Terrence Ross. Um, I would have thought they would be up and down the court a little bit more, but it seems like they're more of a half-court team who plays a lot of you know isolation basketball. And with I guess their two backcourt guys are dishing it, but nobody else really is because nearly fifty percent of their field goals come unassisted, which is you know second most in the league. Uh, that really surprised me. Um, Sage, you watch a ton of other teams' hoops. Uh, why are they doing that? Why are they going to that system? It seems like Lowry has great court vision. Shouldn't they be trying to get guys like Scola on the pick and pop or pick and rolls with Valanciunas? What's going on in Toronto? I, I'm shocked that they actually have a slow pace. Um, they do have the athletes to run. Maybe they slow it down because they have James Johnson in instead of Damari Carroll since he's injured. A game I like to play is whenever Jonas uh, pump fakes, you take a drink. Because if you play that game, you're going to be drunk by the first TV timeout. Because that boy... No, Jonas Valanciunas. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. The Scola will pump fake. He's the only guy in the league that gets 15 seconds in the key called on him. Exactly. Well, Jonas <laughs> Jonas loves the pump fake. Yeah. So, uh, And then uh, is Johnson the one with all the, uh, the tattoos. emotion tattoos? Yeah, he's the I got a, I got a bunch of ink, man, but I, I've not got the smiley face or the pile of poo, man. I can't do that, bro. That might be no, my stock. No, you got nice from Oh, uh, yeah. That's who it is, man. It's got those. James Johnson's got that big fatty neck tattoo. Oh, he's got the neck. He's the one that played for the Ducks for one year? 
No, he uh, played for Wake that was Forest. The guy but... the, that was the guy with the grill that used to play in Atlanta. I swear they had some big black dude that played for the Ducks for like one season. Ivan Johnson. Boom. It looked like he, he looked like he'd cut you. Yeah. He'd yeah, cut James you on the way. He'd shank, he'd shank you in the back on the way in for a layup. <laughs> James Johnson played for the Grizz, and they actually had a neck tattoo night in, in honor of him, which was a resounding success in Memphis. Yes. If you were to get, if you two were to get a neck tattoo, what would it be? Probably of, uh, I don't know, some hippie hippie thing like the, He's the getting gorge. Cats. He's getting cats. I would get Jamal McGlore. I would get Jamal McGlore neck tattoo right here on my neck, bro. I will say I will get a pinwheel when the Blazers win a title. Nice. I said we, I'd get a pinwheel when we get fifty thousand listeners a show. Oh, <laughs> what are you guys at? <laughs> Not fifty thousand, so I don't have to worry Not about that. Okay. T- hey, whatever, whatever you are, I'm doubling it. All right, all right. That's for sure. So, Not, here, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Bam. Bam. How long have you had that? Uh, about six, seven years. And for our listeners out there who can't see, uh, John <laughs> just showed his his leg and the the, the famous pinwheel tat. Uh, very great choice on going with the retro pinwheel. Uh, favorite of mine. Gotta go old school, man. I'm old. I hope one day they tilt that pinwheel back up right. That would be sick, man. That would be really cool. I also All have right. a Laker. I have a Laker tattoo on my ass. <laughs> no, so you I show them the business every time. <laughs> Hold on a sec. I'll show you that one too. <laughs> oh, it's so hairy. <laughs> oh, oh man. Back back to the Raptors, though. <laughs> Dustin's job is just to keep us in line. <laughs> It, you know, I'm just I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best Barrett well, impersonation. You guys are the wild ones. Well, I gotta keep I gotta keep that little red E next to your guys' podcast thing on iTunes. Oh, I I had to, I had to make it I had to make it explicit. So don't <laughs> don't you worry. You can say whatever the hell you want. Right. Sage. Yeah. What is your X back? Hmm. I'm going Kyle Lowry because he's just such a a pit bull of a point guard. Do you think Portland will be able to stay in front of him, or do you think he's going to get to the line a lot? Seeing that Dame is a negative defensive player, I, I think he's going to get pretty biz, like biz marquee. So I, I, I think he's going to have a big game. So defending him has got to be the Blazers' first uh, thing on the scouting report. Are you going win or loss? Unfortunately, I'm going loss. Ye of little fake. <laughs> it's going to be a win because my X factor is the Blazers backcourt versus the Toronto backcourt. You put CJ and James numbers versus DeMarcus or DeMar and, and Kyle's numbers. And they're nearly identical across the board. I think the home cooking is going to be in our favor. I think Dame's the better player out of all of those four and CJ people are sleeping on him. I think he's every bit as good as DeRozan. Probably. I think he's better, even though DeRozan's an all-star out East. I think they are going to get biz. And they're going to lead the way. Um, I would watch out for Jonas Valanciunas. Whenever he plays the Blazers, he does very well for the first quarter. Then their coach just decides to go away from him or put him on the bench. He's a guy who could give us fits down low because he is more of a bruiser. Plumlee's more of a, a finesse center. Same with Ed Davis. So 
if they do look to go inside, he could be um, trouble for Portland, but I don't think they will. And I think it is going to be a really hotly contested game. As long as Portland's able to push the tempo and score over 100 points, get Toronto out of their comfort zone and play off that Thursday night crowd, I've got the Blazers. And let's let's go five-point victory. Let's keep that winning streak alive. Jonas is so miscasted. All right. Wrapping up this three-game week, uh, the Rockets in what could be a game for the seventh seed. I mean, who would have thought? I don't know what would be more surprising at this point of the season. The Blazers going for the seventh seed or the Rockets hanging on just to stay in the playoff race after being one of the favorites to come out west, if we're being honest. After adding uh, Ty Lawson, a lot of people thought that could maybe put them over the hump or at least, you know, get back to the conference finals. But, you know, they fire their coach. Dwight Howard is blasting officials he's been ejected the last two games he leads the league in technicals with 12 uh they seemingly have no chemistry whatsoever and despite trading for josh smith sadly enough that was a a a positive thing for this houston team i think that says everything there needs to say about the rockets you trade for josh smith and it's viewed as a positive what is going on with with this team well a lot of people say you can trade something for nothing, and it takes away from the continuity of the team. Pat Beverly and James Harden had a really good chemistry on the court. So when you put Ty Lawson in, it ruins that continuity. So that phrase, getting something for nothing, isn't true in basketball because you always have to work to work that player into your scheme. So I think that's one of the reasons. And Dwight Howard being hurt for much of the year... It's going to be a very interesting game. You know, Portland, they had been beat last time. I mean, they had that game. It was back on November 18th. Uh, the Rockets ended up winning in overtime, uh, 108-103. But Brewer hits that, that game tying three off of one leg, that shot that probably goes in one out of 20 times. Um, it's tough, but those are the breaks of the game. Hopefully Portland starts getting a few of those to go in their way down the stretch of the season. But if Portland is serious about not only making the playoffs, but moving up in the standings so you're not facing the Golden State Warriors, they have to take care of it over these next 19 days because they get the Rockets three times. Once in Houston, twice in Rip City. And if they just play good defense, if they play with that defensive effort that they showed against the Hornets, I think they could win these games because... The Rockets don't play any defense at all. Yeah, sure, they'll give you 105 points per game, which is fourth best, but they'll also give up 107, which is second worst in the, in the entire NBA. Uh, John, I pose this question to you. Do you think a James Harden-led team is a true championship contender? I'd like to say no, but that guy is amazing. I it, Hoop is weird, man. I grew up playing basketball, and it's funny how you don't hate players that suck. You know, no one ever boos some garbage player. I mean, I boo Middleton, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, to be serious, man, you boo Kobe, you boo LeBron, you boo the ballers. I mean, that's just how it is. You don't boo some random scrub. James Harden gets so much hate, even from me. But when you sit back and watch, it's like, well, the dude's crushing. He's doing something right. So... James Harden being your leader, I'm hearing, I don't, I've never heard that he's much of a vocal leader, you know, but on the court as a player, if he's your best player, you could win a championship easily. As many times as he gets to the free throw line, with this combination of players, they should be a hell of a lot better. 
So you got to think it's a chemistry thing. You know, I'm not going to say names, but they got people on this roster they brought in at different times this year that are questionable, you know, questionable characteristics on them. If you say, excuse me, if you say, uh, this team led by James Harden is not going to win a championship, but he could. And a lot of people thought when they brought Dwight Howard in, that's all they needed. Um, they obviously need, they need a really kick-ass coach that they would all respect. Um, you know, if you have a really strong-willed, strong-minded coach that is willing to set these guys straight, that'd make a world of difference down there. They're at a point where they need, you know, somebody to look up to. They're not looking up to Bickerstaff. Uh, and they definitely didn't for McHale. They may respect Bickerstaff because he was an assistant, but, you know, I think they need uh, Van Gundy. They need, you know, someone that will get in these guys' grill and call them out. They've got way too much talent to be where they're at right now. A Thibodeau? Yeah, someone like that. That's fantastic. That's yeah. He would demand their respect, and mm-hmm. if you didn't, you're gone. You know, I mean, that's that only lasts so long. You saw him wear his welcome out in in Chicago, but yeah, that's a great name. I didn't even think about that one. I mean, he'll get James Harden to play better defense. Uh, in 2014, his defense was was laughable. He actually made strides in 2015, which is why you know he did get some MVP votes from Steph Curry. But by all accounts, it's gotten back to the 2014 version and. It starts with your leader, and you really need somebody to say, okay, I'm going to play defense. I'll, I'll maybe s- sacrifice a couple trips to the free throw line or a couple extra points to say, hey, I'm busting my ass on defense. And if he does that, I think a lot of players would follow suit. But you, I think it com- they're almost like a early 2000s Trailblazers team where they had it all, and then a series of moves by a irrational general manager. Um, I did like Trader Bob, but he did make some bad moves. Daryl Morey, he sold the farm to try to go after Chris Bosch. Bosch burns them, and now they're trying to find pieces that might not necessarily be the best fit, like a Ty Lawson, who needs the ball in his hands. Will Harden does too. That's why Lawson's not playing. And then you get injuries factored into that. Um, Monte Yunus hasn't been the same. Terrence Jones hasn't been the same. Um, there was a point in time where we thought Terrence Jones might not play basketball again, and he was a big part of that that run um, two years ago and even last year. So. You know, a lot of factors play into that, but regardless, Portland is still chasing them and they have a chance to overcome them. I think in this game, they have to keep their turnovers down. Houston scores 18 points off of turnovers and uh, 17 points on the break. Portland, especially on the road, needs to play calm. Uh, This is a game where you don't necessarily need to push the tempo. You want to win this in the half court. Make Houston play defense. Our guards can get to the cup um, if we're shooting threes well. I really like it. Uh, My X factor keep Harden under 10 free throw attempts and find a way just to guard Corey Brewer. I mean, I don't know what it is about that guy, but uh, he had 16 points off the bench last meeting. And he, he's always one of those un, un, unheralded blazer killers. Like we know Bano, we know Nick Van Exel back in the day, but I think Corey Brewer is an underrated blazer killer. So, uh, you know, watch out for him. Uh, what do you say, Sage? I think you wrapped up the Houston. Do we know if Dwight's going to be healthy? I mean, you never know what that dude. I mean, exactly. game Saturday, Monday night right now. Let's just assume he is healthy. I mean, when when he is playing, he is a dominant force. Playing Dwight Howard is my X factor. Are you going win or loss? I'm gonna go win. I don't want right. to be too negative on this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm going win too. I don't know. Maybe it's the Kool Aid I was drinking before this podcast, or the potential to have a seven-game winning streak. But this team, they look at the playoff standings every day. Players, or actually fans, may want a lottery pick. Fans may want us to tank. 
this or that, but the guys are there to hoop. That's their job. They don't want some rookie coming in, taking their spot in the rotation. They know what's on the line. I think they will rise up. And uh, if they don't win, I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think the the blowouts that the Blazers saw probably during the latter part of December, I think those are going to go by the wayside, even with the schedule picking up. This team, it looks like they're hitting their stride. Dame and CJ are really leading them. And, uh, you know, it could be a loss, but I'm just going to go win. I think they'll find a way to, to, to grit it, grind it out. Um, that's what I think. I think a 3-0 week for our Trailblazers. What do you think, uh, John, for the week? I think it's going to be a tie. Well, it's a good call. You know, that's a, a very, very unorthodox prediction. But you know, uh, you this week, down, you know what, man? I think I think with Sacramento traveling in, I think we uh, I think we can handle them. Um, that Raptors Houston, those two games are going to be tough, man. Um, this winning streak has been fantastic. It's been it's been against some less than average teams. Not to put a, a damper on it at all, but Houston, say what you want about him. That's a lot of talent, and and Dwight Howard can completely change a game. You you were saying we want to do it in half court, Dustin. I'm I, it's it's tough because you almost don't want to bang down there with Howard because he's going to get every call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they do get out on the wings, it's tough, man. They they do have a lot of power, firepower. So I think uh, someone like. Myers could be huge in that Houston game, you know, when Plumlee picks up those two quick fouls. We're going to definitely need some help from him, maybe like he did against Cousins. So maybe Stotts will keep this this um, different defensive scheme that he's been doing. Maybe he'll continue that in that Houston game like because it worked in Sacramento. So uh, I'm going to say I think we lose that Toronto game. I just – for some reason, man, I just – that team, they're clicking. They're playing great. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 and one this week. Yeah, I like I like yeah, your thought about like, Myers. I, like I think it could be a Myers game in Houston. Yeah, he's got to uh, he's got to bang down low and and get another dunk like he had the other night. Well, I like it. You know, we could probably talk hoops for the rest of the night, but we're we're going on an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, let our fans know where they can find you on Twitter. Oh, where can't you find me, my friends? I'm going to say follow me at Big John N-E-P, B-I-G-J-O-H-N-N-E-P, Northeast Portland. Um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm a little more active on Instagram, man, than I am on Twitter. Uh, you take kind some, of a, some great Instas. Yeah, people, people always tell me that. And I just, um, I just use my phone and I just shoot what I see. But Instagram, um, if you want to see what it's like on the road with the team, Behind the scenes, I don't post anything that, you know, is going to get anybody in trouble. But there'll be some shots on the plane and at arenas and back in the hallway when Dame shows up on the bus, different things like that. When we're in New York, I I shoot a lot of basketball hoops. I do a lot of just different inner city type shots. But uh, if you want to see what it's like on the road, yeah, follow me on Instagram, man. I'm always shooting pictures, probably too many. Uh, And then Twitter, man, I just use a little bit more just messing around and giving my opinion on hoops and life and music and everything else. But uh yeah, I've heard I'm a good follow. So uh, whoever follows me, the 100th follower, uh, Dustin and, and Sage are going to give you guys blazer tickets to whoever the uh, 100th follower. And a pair of shoes. Man, you were promising a lot that we can't give. So I, I appreciate the hustle, but... Uh... <laughs> it was worth it, right? 
Yeah. Hey, true story. When when I was working for the Blazers and they didn't travel the social media team, uh, I would just use a lot of his Instagram pics for the pregame as he was on the road for the Trailblazers account. They were that good. So definitely give give him a follow. The, the, the shots are yeah. crazy. Big John NEP, man. Follow me. It's fun. I don't take anything too serious whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, and if you follow me, uh, maybe I'll go uh, take a picture of Middleton in the back hallway or something for you, Don't oh, Tell him I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'll get his jersey for you, bro. Oh, thank you. Yep. Uh, hey, right. man, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you. And you can find this podcast finally on iTunes. Thanks to Sage. We are also on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. If you want to hit us up via email, we are at HolyBackboardPDX at gmail.com. And we are also on Twitter at Holy Backboard. Thanks again to our guest, our very special guest on the 20th episode, John LaCrofka. We look forward to seeing a lot of those sweet mixes with some uh, awesome, awesome beats coming through on the melt. Hold on, hold on. Emmy award winning guest. Oh, Emmy award winning John LaCrofka of Blazers Broadcasting. You can see him starting tomorrow against the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's get this three game winning streak added onto our four game winning streak. Let's go seven and zero Blazers. Let's do it, Rip City. Let's go.